0: Real Life Radio is brought to you by the offices of Dr. Robert Bass in River City Community Church. Grace and
1: peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. This is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for. And today's going to be another fun one as Pastor Sean's talking about marriage as we continue with this series called The Contrarian's Guide to Real Life. Pastor Sean sharing a message called The Contrarian View of Marriage. And something brand new at reallife.org. Not only can you download the notes to this message so you can follow along, and not only can you download the podcast, but now you can watch the Sunday morning service online. Again, right there at reallife.org. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a Bible handy. We're going to start off in Genesis chapter 2. This is Real Life Radio.
2: The scripture tells us that God took the man, put him to sleep, took a rib from the man, and from it made woman. And man, like, I can just imagine his first view, of woman. Like, way to go, God. Really nice. I thought the mountains were cool, but this is better. And listen to what the man says. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken from the man. Now listen, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will be one flesh. Have you heard that somewhere before? Jesus quoted it when he talked about marriage. The Apostle Paul quoted it when he talked about marriage. I think God's kind of serious about this. Something powerful, something spiritual, something real happens when we stand at the marriage altar and say, I do, and we become one flesh. Marriage is sacred because it's God's idea. It was God's design. See, the cornerstone of civilization is the family. It really is. It is our first social unit. But the cornerstone of the family is marriage. Please understand this, and let's not be in any way unclear. The cornerstone of the family is marriage. God's purpose for marriage was that we would find joy together, that we would find companionship, we'd be better together than separately, That, that we'd find stability, that society would have stability, that we would procreate. God, in His amazing wisdom as Creator, made us in His image. It says He made man and woman. He created them in His image. And then He allowed us to play a role in that creative process, together. Man can't do it without woman. Woman can't do it without man. Together, we get to procreate in the bringing about of new life. Mentoring, and and please understand, it doesn't stop there. Now children need to be mentored because let me tell you something about children. They don't know anything. Okay? Nothing. No offense to the kids in the room because you guys are old enough to be in here. You know a few things now. Way to go. Keep going. You're doing well. But when they're born, they know nothing. Really. They have to be taught, mentored, and trained. And let me say to you, they need both their parents. They need both their parents because little girls need a model of what a woman of God looks like what a woman's supposed to be, someone she can identify with, someone she can grow with. But they also need a model of what a man looks like. What does a daddy look like? What's a a godly man supposed to be? What does a husband look like? And she's supposed to have that model. In the same way, little boys need a model of what a man is. And at a certain point, little boys will change their kind of connection from mom to dad, and they'll very closely identify with dad because they are trying to to become what they've seen. And they're supposed to look and be able to see that's what a man of God looks like. But they also need a woman because they need to know what a woman of God looks like and what a mother looks like and what one day a wife looks like. What does a godly woman look like as she navigates life? They need those models. And please, I, I want to be crystal clear. No matter how many times you repeat a lie, it doesn't become true. You can say it over and over and over again, and it's no more true the last time as it was the first time. And folks, I, I-, I want to be, be compassionate here. I know there are all different kinds of families Mixed families, blended families, families that are not traditional. And I know we've decided to say all of those are families. And you know what? With, by God's grace, they sure can be. But that does not, it does not benefit us to now downplay what God's original intent and design was and what the ultimate picture of a family is a mother and a father with their children. That is God's design and His picture. Yes, God can bless other things, but for us, this is one of those things where because we don't want to make people feel bad about their less than perfect situation, we now try to totally remove the definition of normal. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's not healthy, it's not good for anybody. No area other than morality would we ever try to do that. They'd be like saying, okay, you're sick, and there's sick people in the world, but I don't want them to feel bad about being sick, so let's just not call anything healthy. There is no such thing as healthy. We're all healthy, really, aren't we? So even though you've got this sickness, don't try to get over it. Don't try to get medical help. Don't try to have something different. Just let's call it normal. See, it's a problem. And understand, I do believe God can bless all different kinds of families. There's grandparents raising kids. There's friends raising kids. There's, there's. I, I understand that and I bless you and I commend you for your commitment to those families. And they are. But you want to bless those kids? You love those kids? Tell them the way God intended it to be. So show them what God created it to be and then help them experience that and mentor them into enjoying That it doesn't do us any good to redefine. We don't get to redefine. God created it. And and this brings me to another subject. And I want to be very compassionate here. But it's a big conversation in our political discourse. And it's homosexual marriage. Folks, let me just say real plainly, River City at River City Community Church. We love homosexuals. We want homosexuals to be able to be a part of this church and overcome their stuff and their sin just like the rest of us. I mean, we do, River City, right? We want that. But understand, we are crystal clear. Homosexuality is sin. It is not God's best. And you know why God hates sin, right? Because it kills those He loves. And God loves homosexuals. You know, I don't know, and some people go, but what about the homosexual gene? Number one, that's the worst science because it has so much political pressure behind it. It is not. It is not neutral. It, could there be a gene that influences our desires and behavior? Maybe, sure. Is it possible that there are people who just have, because of their heritage, because of their family, because they inherited from somebody, they have more of a tendency to be angry and punch people than other people? Yes, there could. I think I might be one of those. <laughs> Sometimes I'm talking to someone I just. Could that be something in my bloodlines or my genetics that leads me to have that desire more than maybe a more passive person? Maybe. But nobody has ever said, it's okay, give in to that desire. All desires are healthy. You may punch people. (laughs) Nobody ever lets me do it. How about heterosexuality? Is it possible that some people, I, I don't know, maybe through genetics, through bloodlines, through whatever, have a higher sex drive than others? Maybe they they just that's just the way they're wired. Just because we have a desire doesn't mean we have to give in to it. We teach our children that every single day. And so we don't tell the guy who maybe has a higher sex drive, gee, it's okay, go sleep with whoever you want. We tell him, no, you can control that desire and you will be blessed if you channel that desire in the healthy manner in which God created it to be channeled. And in the same way, I would say, whether you're here in the room or maybe listen on the radio or wherever you are. If you're homosexual, do not let yourself be utilized as a pawn of some political movement. I have talked to numerous homosexuals that are neat people. And multiple times I've heard people say, I wish God didn't make me this way. I wish it could be different. And I just want to say to you, um, one, I don't think God made you where you inevitably have to be like that. And two, we all have areas where we say those words. Anybody in this room not had desires, impulses, thoughts, words, reactions, that you just go, what is wrong with me? Why do I do that? I wish I didn't have that. That is a common human feeling. And to homosexuals, I will say to you, none of us has the power to overcome our stuff without the power of God in our lives. That's what we found. He can give us the power. He can give you the power to walk the way he's put in your heart. Just get into a relationship with him. Connect with him. Let him lead you. Work on the inside of the cup. And you know what? The outside really will begin to come into line. Just trust him. The secret to a happy marriage is making the marriage part more important than the happy part. I I will tell you something. Um, the, the Catholics have an idea that I really like. And I think we, we evangelicals have kind of pushed us away. We, we recognize two sacraments of the church baptism, which we're going to celebrate after third service today and, uh, and communion is sacraments of the church. Well, the Catholics have, have a few more. And one of those is marriage. And I think we missed the boat. When we don't understand that marriage, when it was God's idea, when two people stand before congregation and before God, that something is happening there. This two becoming one flesh is sacramental because it's created and ordered by God. The secret to a happy marriage is making the marriage part more than the happy part.
1: You're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church, and this program is underwritten this week by the office of Dr. Robert Bass, Internal Medicine. He's located in the Stone Oak area at 1202 East Sontera Suite 701. And the phone number for Dr. Robert Bass is 210-404-2650. As we take a short break in this message, call the Contrarian View to Marriage. And if you think you need to hear this message again with your spouse, then just go to reallife.org and download the podcast or watch the whole thing when you click on the Sermon Archive link. And while you're at reallife.org, please notice all the great summer events that you can do with your family, including Family Movie Night, Something new includes River City's Creative Arts Camp, where your child will experience programs like art, photography, drama, music, and dance programs, and don't forget vacation Bible school, which is happening in late July. And we hope you also visit the church as we'll be and we also hope you visit the church, as we'll be right back in one minute with more from Pastor Sean Azaro, and this is Real Life Radio.
2: Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. River City's called a church for real life. And we've been in San Antonio helping people discover the life they were meant to live for the past 13 years. I'd like to invite you to check out our new 1 p.m. service at our Redland campus. It's the same great music, practical biblical teaching, and ministry for all the kids, just at a new time for those who like to get a little later start on Sunday mornings. Another new feature of this service is translation headsets for our Spanish-speaking friends. River City Redland is located one-half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road and Jones-Maltzberger. Our Sunday service times are now 8, 9.30, 11.15, and 1 p.m. River City is a multi-site church and also has campuses in New Braunfels and on the northwest side of San Antonio. Go to reallife.org for location and service times. We look forward to meeting you and helping you get connected with others on the road to real life. This is real
0: life.
1: Real life. Welcome back, and we return to Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called The Contrarian's Guide to Real Life. And this is Real Life Radio.
2: Second, contrarian idea. Submission is the foundation of every successful marriage. Submission is the foundation to every successful marriage. Submission to God first. Whenever we talk about authority in Scripture, in every unit of society, God provides authority. That authority is supposed to be, by God's design, under His leadership and following His authority, and then carrying out authority as a loving reflection of God giving that authority. A lot of times it's not, but that's not God's design. God created authority. It was never supposed to be the authority is God. No, the authority is someone who's under God's authority and is now leading on behalf of God. It is a servant leadership. I serve the people I'm leading by providing leadership. That's the way it's supposed to be. Now, when we get to the roles, and by the way, this is... And, and, you know, and you're like, wow, we've talked about some pretty crazy contrarian stuff. This may be the most contrarian thing we're going to talk about this morning. This idea of submission. Husbands are to submit to Christ by loving their wife as Christ loved the church. And it's talking about self-sacrifice. And that's a hard, hard level of submission because we're selfish. And there's a part of our nature that just wants to do what we want to do and wants to do for us. And that command to be like Jesus and love my wife as Christ loved the church is uh, something where I really need his help with because it's big. But this idea of wives submit to the husband as unto the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. That may be the most contrarian of any idea that we'll look at this morning. Because in our culture, that is a distasteful idea because it is seen as demeaning to women. Because our culture doesn't understand authority. It has no concept, concept, or context for authority, the way God intended it. In 1 Peter 3, Peter. And his epistle writes this, wives, beginning at verse 1, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Women, Wives, in the same way, be submissive. In the same way as what? Well, if you look back in chapter 2, he talked about submission in a much bigger perspective. He says, in 1 Peter 2, verse 13, he says, submit yourself to the Lord sake for submit yourself for the lord's sake to every authority instituted among men whether to the king as supreme authority governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong commend those who do right it is god's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men so wait a minute we're supposed to submit to government state local authorities even if they're foolish or ignorant men yes yes Because there is no authority that exists that God doesn't allow. And that's hard. Because we sit and go, man, uh, authority has sure been misused a lot in a lot of governments throughout history. Understand, it breaks God's heart. But he gave us a free will. And just because an authority makes mistakes doesn't mean we now can say, all right, I don't have to be under that authority. I mean, you know, we can have another discussion another time about civil disobedience in appropriate times when that authority tries to ask you to disobey God. And there are times when you are still under that authority, but you choose civil disobedience and the penalty that accompanies that. But what God is saying is we're all under authority here. And then he says even in in verse 18 of chapter 2, the previous chapter, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only those who are good and considerate, but also those who are harsh. Slaves, is the Bible pro-slavery? No. it just acknowledged the reality that in that day there were slaves and some of them had become Christians. And Peter is writing to them and saying, here's how you conduct yourselves as under God's authority. And so that's what he's talking about when he says, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. so that..." And, and this is the part I want to focus on. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Verse 3, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair, wearing of gold jewelry, and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. What he's saying there is, women, if you don't know it, we think you're really pretty, okay? You need to know that. We think you're beautiful. We can't help it. God put it into us. We see a woman and go, that's a woman. Can you just imagine Adam the first time he saw Eve? That's what I'm saying. He was like, God, that's awesome. You need to know this, ladies, okay? And, but what, what, and, and what Peter is acknowledging is you are outwardly beautiful and that is a wonderful thing. However, don't just clean the outside of the cup. Clean the inside of the cup. Cause there's an inner beauty and in what he talks about now. Outer beauty is attractive. Inner beauty is transformative. Because he says, by your inner beauty, even if your husband is an unbeliever, you can win him over. You can influence him. One of the things God's been talking to us about in leadership circles around River City for a while, he really laid in my heart and I've just been kind of bouncing it off of leaders, is this idea of influence versus control. Because a lot of us in our culture are control freaks. We try to control everything. And what God's showing us is, wait a minute, wait a minute. Influence is really powerful. It's leadership. And when we focus on influence, we are able to influence a whole lot more people in a good way than we could ever control. And controlling people is not that great anyway. And wives, what Peter is saying about submission is that it has the power, not just wives, any of us. Submission has the power to influence, to influence the heart and mind. It's a powerful, powerful thing. The secret to a happy marriage, folks, is making the marriage part more important than the happy part. And that understands this idea of mutual submission. And third, and I'll wrap with this because I'm running out of time. Marriage is to be the model of God's love to a love-starved world. Marriage is to be the model of God's love to a love-starved world. Remember how we've defined love before. It's an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. And we have to understand how much our love in a healthy marital relationship influences and impacts people in a love-starved world. You saw an advertisement for Royal Family Kids Camp in the news. Um, it's great ministry. The reason we brought it here is Lori and I were at one of the first ones in California 20-some years ago. And at the first one I'd ever been to. Lori had, she was a counselor and she had two girls. And that's all that royal family have. You have two kids, right? Because you can only hold, you've only got two hands. And the the kids, these are kids from abuse and neglect situations. They're foster kids. They really are starved for love and attention. So you got to have a hand free for each. And so Lori had a set of girls that she was, was, kind of counseling through the weekend and and ministering to, And I was part of the staff, so I was like the coach, and I, I had some staff responsibilities, but I wasn't assigned any particular campers. I was kind of with all the groups. At meals, at breakfast and lunch, and different times throughout the day when we'd have breaks or something, I'd hang out with Lori and these two girls of hers, these little girls. And what blew us away is how every time I would hold Lori's hand or put my arm around her waist, kiss her on the cheek, these little girls would just light up and beam. I mean, they would get us at the table and put us together. It was like we were Ken and Barbie, you know. They were, playing, they were playing house with me and Lori. And they're putting us at the table, and they'd sit on the other sides. And they were so just enamored with our love for each other. Well, we found out why about midway through the week in one of their devotional times that Lori, all the, they'd have cabin time where the leader would be with their girls and just have devotional time and pray with them and stuff. And the little girls asked, "Laurie, they said, "Sean's your your husband, right?" Yeah. Yeah, you guys are married, uh-huh. Does he hit you? No, sweetie. He did, he doesn't hit me. But you're married, right? True story. Neither of these girls had ever seen a married couple where when there was conflict or anger, that abuse didn't happen. And when Lori told me that, she was in tears, and it was like a punch in the stomach for me. And these little girls, they hung out the bus window when they had to leave because they had to go back to their foster homes. And they just cried and reached for Lori and I and asked if they could come live with us. See, marriage is to be the model of God's love to a love starved world. That's one of those things that you, we denigrate it. We, we miss what is really going on. And marriage, the way God intended it, is sacred and it is supposed to be a city on a hill. For a world that doesn't understand fidelity. They don't understand the unconditional love. They don't understand how two people who are different and who disagree and who have to work out stuff can just still be passionately in love with each other and can stay together till death do us part. Marriage, folks, it's more than just about us. It's not just about us and our finances and our stuff. Our kids, our house. Marriage is this picture of God's love. And what I find so fascinating is God in his scriptures, when he chose one of his analogies or illustrations, referred to the church as the bride of Christ, the bride. And that was supposed to be an obvious illustration that anyone would understand of how much God just delighted and how much he was blessed by the church and how much he loved the church and how committed he was to the church. It was supposed to be the obvious picture of, wow, to be a part of the church, we are the bride of Christ. And folks, we got to restore that. And I don't care how politically incorrect it may be, all I think about is those little girls. And they hadn't had time to be indoctrinated that, you know, you don't need a man, you don't blah, 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 blah. They hadn't had time to have that whole thing. All they knew is this felt really, really good. Because it was a man and a woman who were married and who loved each other and who loved them. So I say, don't settle. Let's return marriage to the sacred place that it deserves because that's the way God created it. You've been listening to Real Life
1: Radio, a service of River City Community Church, as next week we'll take a contrarian view of the workplace. But you're invited to do, well, a few things. One, visit reallife.org where you can download the podcast to this entire series. Two, watch the video of this message at reallife.org. Or three, visit River City Community Church this Sunday, located at the corner of Jones-Maltzberger and Redland Road, about a half mile inside Loop 1604 on the north side of San Antonio. And if you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church and underwritten this week by the office of Dr. Robert Bass, Internal Medicine. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.